Hey everyone, and welcome to Captain Hunter's Podcast, a podcast that is dedicated towards bridging the divide between the police and the communities that they serve. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really, really appreciate it. As always, I'm not just saying that. I really do appreciate all the love and support that you all have been given. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and share these episodes. Can't grow, can't go to the next level if you all are not helping, doing your part to make sure that you rate these episodes, give it the thumbs up, subscribe to the episodes, whether you're listening on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or on the website, no matter how you're getting these episodes, subscribe, and then, of course, share these episodes. Also, please remember to support the podcast. Can't do anything without your love and without your support. Support is very important. Uh, and as I mentioned before, I've got to read books or I've got to get access to different uh, articles and things like that in order to stay on top and stay abreast of, the, uh, of what's going on. Uh, you know, a dollar an episode. Uh, I release about eight episodes, especially now with my Facebook uh, lives that I do every Monday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So release and then I release this episode every Sunday. So it's about four, it's about uh, you know every every Sunday and every Monday is four episodes each. So that's about eight eight episodes. So if you can give you know eight dollars a month or or five dollars a month or a dollar an episode or fifty cents an episode or, or something along those lines, uh, I really would appreciate it. Remember to uh, go over to the Patreon page. P A T R E O N. Also, remember, you can uh, you can uh, support the podcast through PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo. All of those are dollar sign CPTL Hunter, CPTL Hunter, uh, and all of those. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. We have a great episode for you today. Today, I'm going to be speaking with members of CABLE, that is the Connecticut Alliance to Benefit Law Enforcement Officers. These officers and these uh, members of this organization are dedicated towards uh, making sure that uh, members... Uh, of law enforcement who respond to persons in crisis or dealing with mental health uh, are, are approached with care, empathy, and professionalism. And so that is this organization's dedication. Uh, and I have a number of members from the organization. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm going to thank each and every one of them for coming on the show. And so without further ado, let me just read to you a little bit about, uh, about Cable. Connecticut Alliance to Benefit Law Enforcement Inc. Uh, is a community is an organization that brings community and law enforcement resources together to address common issues related to mental health. It's a grassroots nonprofit 501c3 research and training collaborative whose mission is to serve as an interdisciplinary resource and catalyst for law enforcement and community collaboration, support, and education. This unique organization is comprised of a cross-section of stakeholders. Those stakeholders are municipal and state law enforcement personnel, mental health professionals, family and, per and persons with mental illness, educational institutions. Cable strength is, this, is its ability to bring together people from diverse perspectives who are committed to work collaboratively for the common good. So the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because so many people are calling for police reform. And so because they're calling for police reform, they may not understand that there are many organizations who are already responding, uh, who are already collaborating with uh, law enforcement to make sure that law enforcement officers respond in those empathetic ways that I talked about to, to persons who are dealing with mental illness or are going through some type of uh, mental health crisis or breakdown. So for those people who are uh, asking for this, some states and organizations are already partnering up 
with law enforcement in, in, in doing this collaborative type of mission. So that's the reason I want to talk about it. So to bring it to you, the public, so you can understand what's happening out there. Or if your department isn't into that type of thing or hasn't set something up by this time, maybe you can reach out to cable or there's something similar in your state. I want to especially thank uh, Louise Pyers, uh, the executive director. She's going to be on the show. I want to thank her for allowing this to be set up. Really, really appreciate it. So without late, further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here's the episode with members of CABLE, Connecticut Alliance to Benefit Law Enforcement. But uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on uh, to the podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, to Susan, to Louise, to Captain, uh, and to the chief there, and to welcome to Captain Hunter's podcast. Thank you to each and every one of you. And I'd like to give you guys a chance and opportunity to uh, introduce yourselves to the audience. So we'll start with uh, Susan there. So hello, everyone. My name is Susan Graham. I'm uh, retired from the Thomaston Police Department after 20 years of service. While I was there, I also earned a, a master's degree in social work in the concentration of children and families. And since my retirement, I've been kind of working uh, with children's behavioral health and children and families that are trying to access services and uh, reduce arrest within the criminal justice system for, for young people. And then I had the uh, most wonderful pleasure of meeting Louise and really getting more involved with the work of Cable. And so that's kind of who I am. Very nice. I thought I recognized the last name there. Uh, Randy, <laughs> right? Randy, right? Yeah. I mean, okay, yep. okay. Okay, very good. Okay. Very good. Louise. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Louise Pyers. I'm the executive director and founder of the Connecticut Alliance Benefit Law Enforcement, also known as CABLE. Um, I've been with CABLE since its inception, which uh, took place in 1999. We became a nonprofit organization in 2003. And, and basically what we do is, is help law enforcement and their community partners um, connect and connect with people uh, with mental health conditions as well as any, anybody who's in a crisis um, and help them get from point A to point B. Um, I'm a master's clinician and um, have been working with law enforcement now for the past 23 years. Very nice, very nice. Uh, Captain Sean Grant. Yes, uh, Captain Sean Grant, I've been with the Manchester Police Department for approximately 24 years. Um, I began uh, in uh, CIT, uh, Crisis Intervention Team, back in 2010 when I went to my first training, um, became the CIT coordinator for the town of, of Manchester, the police department. Um, shortly after, joined the board, Cable, and uh, currently serve as a co-chair, um, helping officers uh, as well as helping the community is what got me into it. Sounded like a good uh, training class uh, back then in 2009 when it was introduced to me. Took the class and uh, loved it ever since, and I enjoy every part uh, of CIT and the Cable experience. Very nice. And Chief John Rich. Hi, my name is John Rich. I'm the chief of police in the town of Ledger. Uh, I'm a 32-year law enforcement veteran here in Connecticut. Uh, the first 24 and a half of that were with Connecticut State Police. 
um, where I served in various capacities. Half of my career was in the state police major crime squad. Um, during the course of my time there, I took CIT training and I was also, uh, so that's where I met Luis uh, in about 2007 or so. Um, I um, also was also on the steering committee, which formed the state police's first peer support program, the first uh, peer support program in law enforcement in the state. Um, so uh, that, the work of that is, and, and uh, has, was, was really um, one of the greatest honors of my career. And so um, with all that, I've, I've moved forward in my career. Um, I served for three and a half years with Chief Drumdon in Madison as, as his deputy, and I've been the chief in Ledger for now for four and a half years. I've been the co-chairman of Cable with Captain Grant for the past six years, uh, six and a half years or so, um, and together we've moved uh, moved things forward uh, in in I think in a lot of ways um, to help in the law enforcement community. Uh, I feel like CIT and um, peer support um, are critical skills uh, to have in law enforcement for the for the de-escalation uh, alone with uh, the citizens that we serve, and then. Uh, to be able to help each other through all the challenges that go along with serving this career. So it's been my honor to be associated with Cable, uh, and uh, I, I've loved every bit of it, and I think we've just um, done some tremendous work, and we still have more to go. Very nice. Thank you so much for, for joining each and every one of you for joining me on the podcast. Um, so my own personal journey was I was a sergeant at the time, and I, the Cable came through, and uh, I, you know, I was one of the volunteers and I really enjoyed uh, my time there uh, as a CIT officer. I enjoyed the training. I thought it was uh, uh, Susan and I were, were talking offline before. And uh, one of the things that, that really inspired me or really uh, sat with me was it started me on my own journey towards uh, understanding that there needs to be some type of police reform. Um, uh, you know, so many times as officers, we would get to a situation and think that we should just arrest our way out of this situation. Somebody's causing a problem. Okay, well, you know, this is a no-brainer. They're causing a crime. Let's just arrest them. Well, going through this particular class in classes um, really helped me to understand that people are going through things for a reason. And uh, so we have to try to understand what that reason is. And if we can avoid making the arrest, we should. So I really appreciated uh, Cable for for uh, for introducing me to this line of thinking into this way of life. Um, so I really appreciate that. So Louise, if you can, if you could just tell us about what Cable is, explain to us what what you all do and why officers should join in and what the heck is this and what, what's going on here. Okay, well, Cable, Cable is a collaboration of uh, people who normally you would not normally see working together. Um, 20 years ago, this is something that, um, you know, would have been like a pipe dream and people will say it'll never happen. Cable brings together a unique group of people. We bring together people with lived experience of mental illnesses with law enforcement professionals, with mental health professionals and advocates. And we all work together towards a common goal. And that common goal is how do we best serve people uh, who are in crisis in our communities um, and link them to the services that they need, that they are looking for. And 
again, bringing together all of these groups of people has really been, I think, our success um, and very unique in terms of our little organization um, because really nobody else to date has done this um, with regard to, again, our little unique co collaboration of groups of people that normally don't really have any reason to talk to each other. And as a result of that, um, that really kind of like helped bring CIT along. Um, in Connecticut, CIT was started by Captain Ken Edwards from the New London Police Department. Captain Edwards uh, went down to Memphis, Tennessee where CIT was born and brought the curriculum back to Connecticut um, and was able to implement it in his police department. He invited me to go and see uh, what they were doing. And I was just so impressed. I said, you know, would you, would you join us in helping us bring folks together so that we can do this statewide and offer this statewide? And he said, yes. Very and nice. Yeah, we, Go ahead. Started I'm sorry. With 20, we started with, uh, I think, 20 officers in New London to now we have a, a, over 3,500 officers around the state trained. Well, very nice, very nice. Congratulations on the, on the growth of that. So, Susan, uh, we were talking before offline, and we were talking about, um, uh, we were talking before offline, Susan, you and I, and we were talking about um, uh, the idea of stakeholders. Uh, I'd like for you to, to try to elaborate on, on this term of stakeholders and why this is so important. Thank you, Captain. You know, it's the reference that we often use is sides. You know, when we bring two sides together, and I think that words are really important. And if we continue to talk about sides and bringing sides together, it reinforces kind of an us and them mindset. And when we're really trying to build collaborations, we at Cable and with CIT have uh, talked about really using the word circles. It's a circle of stakeholders. So it's a circle of law enforcement. It's a circle of mental health. It's a circle of individuals with lived experience. And like with a Venn diagram, when you integrate those circles where they overlap, that's where the best work happens. That's where connections are made. And when those kind of connections are made, people are better served, people are better off. So we, we've now started to use the word circles and stakeholders as opposed to sides. Yes, very nice, very well put. You had to remind me of that. Uh, I went through a lot of college. I went through a lot of college classes that couldn't remember the word stakeholder. So that's that's. <laughs> um, so I, I want to ask the chief and the captain here. Uh, we talked about circle uh, stakeholders. Uh, Louise just was just uh, talked about um, uh, just talked about just people being involved in an amount of officers that are that are joining in with this. Not many other officers are, are doing this. Um, and so the President Trump just signed the, the executive order. Uh, the other, uh, you know, a few weeks back, demanding that there be uh, something like we're trying to do, where uh, alternatives to uh, law enforcement responding to mental health a crisis. Uh, now we can send maybe social workers or, or whatever. I'd like to get your opinion on how cable can help with that, or wh what are your thoughts about that? And I'll give it to the chief first. 
Yeah, uh, thank you. Thanks for the, the question. And, and uh, it's, it's a great point. And um, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm just particularly proud of uh, what we've done here in Connecticut already uh, as it relates to, to that idea where, you know, we've trained our officers, you know, as Luis stated, over 3,500 officers th uh, throughout this time. Uh, some of them have moved on, et cetera, but um, we've, we've made this a philosophy in Connecticut and, and cable is a force in Connecticut. And I think, um, you know, I'm particularly proud to be uh, a CIT department with a CIT uh, policy. And we are one of the departments, I think, that's, you know, kind of leading out in that, in that regard because our officers have those skills from their CIT training and, and additional trainings that they've done. And they have the, the ability to recognize what's actually happening in front of them. What is manifesting in front of me? What is this consistent with as it relates to my training? You know, and, and, and as far as doing threat assessment and de-escalation, um, you know, I've, I've had now three incidents where my, my officers have had uh, deadly force situations in the past two years that they've been able to end without any deadly force um, because of the skills, I think, that they've, uh, that they've brought to the table. So um, in, in that regard, we understand that situations uh, can be dangerous and, and can change and uh, rapidly uh, and within split seconds. And um, so the idea of, uh, you know, of not having a police officer present for um, safety reasons alone is, is a tough one. Um, something I, I'd have, I, you know, that I can't get behind. But the partnership that we have with our local mental health authority um, is huge because we have uh, a clinician that rides with my officers every Friday morning uh, unfortunately, due to COVID, we've had to suspend that, uh, you know, based on their operations, uh, not our operations, but on the operations of the Southeastern Mental Health Authority. But um, every Friday morning, there's a clinician and, and we're going out and following up with the people that we've interacted with in the mental health arena on mental health calls and making sure that, first of all, hey, how are you doing? Um, and secondly, you know, is it, what do you need? Is there any other way that we can support you with services? Uh, and again, that, that's where the partnership comes in with the, with the Southeastern Mental Health Authority here in Southeastern Connecticut. And those partnerships exist all over Connecticut. And I know Captain Grant will be able to uh, elaborate on, on the amazing stuff that they do up in the central part of the state in the capital region, uh, because, it, you know, it's, it's happening all over. And it's happening because of those relationships that are being forged through cable and, and uh, all of the work to bring people together. Very nice. Captain Grant. Yeah, so the chief is exactly right. Um, I might be biased here in the Northeast in Connecticut um, because I've trained with some of, for me, the finest officers um, that wear the badge and that are in uniform. Um, specific to us, we have about 70 to 80 officers currently that are trained in CIT. Uh, we started with it as a voluntary on a voluntary basis. And my chief at the time, uh, Chief Montman, he saw the need to have everyone trained in it. So he requested and, and, and Louise facilitated that to get um, get the training here in the building. And we got most of our officers trained in it. Um, since then, we've lost some individuals, obviously, through attrition, uh, retirements, leaving the department, et cetera. But we continue to put those officers and new officers into the training at every turn and probably to an annoying rate to Louise because we always try and get somebody into those classes because we we, it's so hard to get into. Um, but in addition to that, a lot of departments, um, not just Manchester, but I feel like we do a lot of collaboration with a lot of social work, 
a lot when it comes to domestic violence. We team with um, organizations such as CCADV for domestic violence assistance, um, the lethality assessment program that, that, that is uh, functioning. We're accredited agency, um, so we participate in that. Uh, we work specifically here with uh, community health resources, uh, CHR. We have routine monthly meetings with CHR as well as two-on-one and emergency mobile uh, psychiatric services, EMPS, that work with children. Um, so we, we cover the adult side with community health, and we cover the child side with EMPS. Uh, we have a REACT program where we respond um, to off, when, a, when a, a parent or caregiver is being arrested, we call two-on-one to advise them uh, um, of ways in which to care, whoever's left with the child, to care for the child, give them guidance explain to the, uh, the parent that's staying what's going to happen to the other parent or guardian. Um, so we explain things in that way. That's written to our policy. We also have a, a CIT policy. Um, so a lot of those collaborative actions, we, we, we partner with the, uh, with the community. Uh, we have a community, um, community team. We call them PAR, uh, Police Area Representatives. Um, so we team up with downtown district, not only through um, child, uh, child, children's events, um, community events, but also with downtown district for um, financial. Um, so we do a lot in Connecticut. I, I feel when it comes to collaborating already with uh, social services, psychiatric, mental health, um, domestic violence, alcohol, smoking, cessation, you know, drug. We do a lot of those things already, which I think uh, assists. So I, like the chief said, um, as far as, you know, Re reallocating funds. I think a lot of stuff that maybe other areas aren't doing, we are doing. Um, and I think that's been fundamental in the success that we've had in policing and the things that we do in the community. Uh, I want to ask you and keep, keep with the captain there, what has been the feedback? You guys are doing this. Have you gotten any feedback uh, from the community, from all the programs that you're doing? Uh, I'll say first, uh, yes, definitely. Um, when it comes to, you know, we do toy drives uh, and kids drives where we have, we deliver toys to kids on Christmas day. We have backpack celebrations and backpack giveaways before uh, every school year. Uh, we have participate, at least when I was in the, uh, running as a CIT coordinator, I commonly work with NAMI, uh, local NAMI uh, and do mental health month. We had activities there, we'd be present there. Uh, obviously COVID's done some things as far as doing a lot of the community events that we're used to doing. But these are some of the things that we do uh, ordinarily. We have a Citizens Police Academy, which unfortunately to us has been kind of preaching to the choir. We've been trying to get more community members who may not share the same beliefs as the police department. Um, but I think we're bridging the gap because we started to talk to some agencies here in town about joining uh, and having meetings and coming to the, so we can show them what it's like to be a police officer, decisions that we make and the things that we do and what goes into being a police officer. Um, one of the things I'll say when it comes to mental health, uh, we have our computer, computer aided dispatch. Uh, we're able to, with the blessing of a parent or a guardian or a loved one, if there's a child who suffers from any um, mental health issue, um, autism, um, also adults with Alzheimer's, anything like that. If there's anything we can put in our computer-aided dispatch that would help us deal with, let's say we're looking for a child who walked away. Oh, Johnny likes to go buy bodies of water. Or Johnny likes to go to uh, his best friend Mary's house. We are able to put that in the CAD 
so that when the officers respond, they don't have to have personal knowledge of Johnny, but they're going to get it from the dispatch. So when they get there, it's almost as if the officer knows Johnny. At least Johnny feels like the officer knows him, and he feels more comfortable talking to that officer because he knows the information that Johnny wouldn't think that we ordinarily know. And sometimes it's helped when the parents know that the CIT officers are responding. Now that they know we have a CIT policy and a program, they ask for it. They say, hey, can you send out an officer who is CIT trained? And the dispatcher has a list of those CIT trained officers. We have a system called Telestat that tells you right away which officers are trained in CIT. And again, we've had the luxury of sending a lot of people through. So most of the time, you're going to get a CIT trained officer, which has been beneficial for us. Yeah, it's very nice. We had the same thing in Waterbury. And uh, before I left, I had actually uh, instituted the same type of policy about uh, children. We call them at-risk persons, whether they be autistic or even the elderly who may be suffering from some form of dementia. So I'm very familiar with that. I think that that's, I think all that is very important. All that is very important. Susan, I want to ask you about what, what you think that the impact has been. Have you heard back from uh, the different uh, in anyone in the communities is, you know, because before we might have arrested arrested persons. Now we're not doing that. Have you heard back any feedback from the community? So I, I always think that when <clears throat> there's a collaboration between the uh, the responding officer, the the family and and all of that in a in a diversion can happen, uh, people are people are always grateful. You know, it's, it's interesting that I set out in January of 2020 with a concept of both and as opposed to either or. And um, I think it's both and. I think there is a fine balance between lawlessness and collaboration. And, you know, when you send a police officer, I, I'm a police officer and a social worker, right? So which hat do I spin around? And <laughs> if, if you're... If you only have one toolbox, those are the only tools you can use. So, you know, I, I think that when the more skills that we have, and sometimes one individual doesn't bring them all, but bringing them in collaboration can offer that different lens for, for some type of diversion. I don't know that that answered your question, but uh, that's what I felt like saying. No, it's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Louise, have you noticed anyone who who's come back and said, "Hey, listen, this is this has been very beneficial. Thank you to to law enforcement. They've taken a more uh, uh, circumspect circumspect uh, tact instead of arresting my loved one. They they had some diversionary type of program. Has anyone come to you and said that this program has worked?" Yes, yes, uh, we, we've gotten a number of, of calls um, in terms of people being so surprised about uh, how the officer was so caring and compassionate to their loved one. They weren't expecting that. They were expecting orders to be barked at people um, and that didn't happen. And so they were, they were really appreciative um, and even for those officers too, many of uh, the CIT officers will follow up so that, uh, you know, they oftentimes will follow up with a clinician, but sometimes just to make a phone call to say, how's everything going? Is everything okay now? You know, do you need any more help? Do you need to be, can I send a social worker over so that if in case you need more services, those types of things. So we do get that type of feedback. Um, we also get that kind of feedback from the officers themselves. 
in terms of my goodness, you know, I wish I hadn't waited 25 years to have this training because it has made my life so much easier by giving me these tools and these skills to address a situation calmly, compassionately, and nobody's hurt. And I'm leaving them better than I found them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chief, oh, go ahead. Uh... Circle back. If <laughs> I just wanted to circle back because it reminded me we're, we're in progress of a training and not even completed the training. We had an officer that responded to a party who was um, contemplating suicide and he decided to utilize the skills that he's learning in the training. And, you know, just by really utilizing reflective listening and slowing down and emotional labeling, some of the skills that, that we teach. And he was amazed at how much better the interaction went and how much better the individual was served um, as a result of even after only half of the training, getting a better result because he, he utilized them. And this is an officer with quite a few years of experience. So uh, it was just really rewarding to hear that, like, he's sort of like, this stuff works, like, you know, and it <laughs> sounds so simple in some ways, but it really is just really connecting with people at an emotional level and keeping your own emotions in check to do that. So right. thank you. Very, yeah, very nice. Chief, uh, the word of the day, the word of 2020 seems to be uh, de-escalation. Uh, why is that so important? Yeah, um, really important. Um, I think really what what's happening in, in our society is, is there's, um, you know, there's, a, there's, nobody wants to see police use of, use force. Even as a administrator and a 32 year veteran, when I watch a video that involves use of force, I still cringe. I, I don't. I, I cringe only because I'd rather not see that have happened, as much as I know what the legal and uh, social ramifications that go along with that, with, with using force as a police officer. So, you know, anything that you can do, I think, to um, to give your officers uh, skills that will will minimize the use of force and lead to a successful outcome. Uh, and su successful to me means, you know, that the person is, is well served, that they get, uh, if they need services, that they get services. If they need to get to the hospital, they get to the hospital. That's really one of our only defaults in Connecticut as it relates to a real emergent situation where, um, where it's, where it's a acute crisis and sometimes it's just a hospital, that's all you got. Sometimes, you know, if you, you can use your clinician, your CIT clinician, if they're available. A lot of times you can use mobile outreach team if they're available and they're and, and it's during their hours. Captain Grant mentioned uh, two on one and emergency mobile site for kids. You know those are the resources that we want our people to know about. So uh, as far as you know, as far as de-escalation to me, it's you know, it's it's a result. De-escalation is a result. I know it's a buzzword now, but it's a result of the the application of all these different skills that go along with, you know, creating time, creating, sometimes creating distance or keeping distance, um, slowing things down, using your own presence, like Susan said, keeping your emotions in check and using your own presence uh, as a calming, um, a calming tool, if you will, using your voice in 
such a way that it's not um, necessarily threatening, if you will, but it's uh, in, in, in that maybe it has more power um, when you use your voice um, in a way that serves uh, the situation well. Um, I've been around for a long time. Like I said, I've been involved in situations where, you, where force was necessary. And at the same time, every time one of those things happens, um, I evaluate, always evaluate, uh, I've always evaluated my own performance. What did I, what did I see? What could I have done better? And I know that in the use of, in the review of use of force in my own department, that evaluation process is consistently ongoing to see if there's a, bit, a way we could have done things better. Is there a tool? Uh, is there training? What, what is it that we can do to actually become even better? And, and that's one of the um, hallmarks of my PD here is we're just, we're trying to be better um, every single day, whatever that looks like. So um, I think, you know, de-escalation training is important and I'm, I'm proud to have already be in on this floor of it now when it's just coming up again as one of the needs and the demands, et cetera. You know, I feel really fortunate to be in, in a place where we've got people certified in CIT and other communication techniques and that, you know, it's not just a, a, a something you sit through in recertification and you, you know, you listen, you get through it. The way cable does it, the way, it, the way it's presented in CIT, you know, there's role plays, there's uh, observing, there's identifying emotion, there's um, all of those things that um, really give you the actual skills. So, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I feel uh, fortunate to be in the place where we are right now. And at the same time, there's always room for improvement. And I want to just keep going up and getting better. So. Captain, Captain, I want to ask. Oh, sorry. Captain, Captain I want to ask you, uh, how, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on making this mandatory? Right now, it's a volunteer type of basis. Should it be taught in the academy? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? I've gone back and forth, you know, on that topic, to be honest with you. You know, when I started out, it was a specialized, you know, a specialized, like we call it like a tool in your belt, you know, something that you could use that there were select few um, who wanted to learn it, who wanted to do it, and who could um, – who could put it out there? Uh, people who were interested in the training usually volunteered. It was a volunteer basis. It wasn't forced. You weren't voluntold. Um, you were told what it was, what it was about, and you, if you decided you liked to go, you went. Um, and I thought that was great because I think to really be effective at it, it takes a certain type of person. You know, we've got, just like any uh, profession, you've got different people who believe in different things, who get into it for different things. Um, some get into it because they want to help people. That's most, you know, most people to some degree. Some people want to deal with forensics on the forensic side. They want to study the, the nature of why crimes happen, how they happen, forensic evidence. Um, some people want to be, you know, community relations officers. Um, some want to be on tactical units. Um, some want to do a, a myriad of different things. So when you have somebody who volunteers and wants to do it, you figure it's for the right reasons and they're going to be your best students. You're going to be your, the best people to represent you with the community and on these calls when they happen. The flip side of that is if I could train everybody, at the very least, they're aware of, of options. It can't hurt for the officer who I don't think may not be, you know, may not be the one to volunteer for it, um, to know what resources he has or she has available to them. 
um, for them to understand, to take things slower, to understand the changes that we've been through in the law enforcement community, uh, in the mental health community, things that we would not have been exposed to if it were not for programs like cable uh, and CIT training. Um, they would never know those things. So in, in that in that sense, it's, it's helpful that everyone get exposed to some degree uh, of CIT training and uh, the organization. Now, to what, what extent, that, that may change. You know, maybe you have advanced um, training or setting for those that are more interested in it than others. But I think every officer should have some rudimentary or some elementary version of what CIT is about, uh, what mental health looks like. Um, so that you at least are, when you're going on these calls, um, you know what it looks like. Or, you have, or, or if you don't, you have a resource to go to to give you more information. But the collaborative effort, um, you know, I can't say enough about the training that I got, the original training that I've gotten in CIT uh, originally and how things have morphed and changed. Um, it, it helped me as a person uh, as well as as an officer back then, you know, being a lieutenant. Uh, it helped me to talk to my people, for me, for me to talk to my family. You know, it was more than it was more training than just, hey, do this if you're put in a situation. It covers a, a, a wider range of, of topics. Um, so I think the exposure to the basic level, at the very least, I think is, is very favorable. So I've, I've been supportive of both. Uh, so I guess, you know, I, I probably wishy-washy with the answer, but I think uh, an intro to, to CIT and putting it in the academy and, and having officers get trained, um, although it may be a lower level, I think is a beneficial. I think it's important. And if those that, that would like to volunteer and are really into it, um, they wanted more elaborate training, we have that too. And they, could, they should be offered that, uh, and they should take that too. I think the options that we provide are, are, are fair and understandable. Um, so I guess if that answers your question. It does. It does. Go ahead, Susan. So uh, that's exactly what we've spent the last sort of two months looking at is taking what was a 40-hour sort of specialist model and breaking it down into stages of basic advanced and then special topics or special technician. Because we know that there is a basic level that we believe all officers, any police officer on the street needs, as well as individuals who are more inclined to really want to be specialized in that area can get all of that. If you think about accident investigation, right? So we get basic, but you can go further. And we think that that sort of thinking applied to crisis intervention team training also makes a, an, an awful lot of sense. But it's not siloed where you're just getting the mental health piece or you're getting some communications or de-escalation, but you're getting it all in one integrated package. So uh, we've been very uh, conscious of what we think the need is, and we think that cable has a very good package to respond to it right at, right at this moment, based on a lot of years of experience and an awful lot of people thinking into um, how best to serve the, the community as the end user in an integrated way. Police officers taken a promotional exam one or two times and has not fared so well. Do you know someone who wants to become a police officer but is not sure about how to go about the process? Or maybe they've also taken the exam and not fared so well. Are you the head of an organization who's looking for leadership training 
for yourself or for your employees. LMH Police Training and Consulting Services has those services as well as more. My services can be offered through online virtual training or one-on-ones. I even have online courses for those who are on the go. You can buy my police officer preparation course or you can purchase my promotional exam course all online. All of this is available and more at HunterPoliceTraining.com. And remember, I'm here to prepare you for your future today. Very good. I, I want to stay with you, Susan, and I want to ask you about what your, what your thoughts are concerning uh, what's going on in law enforcement today. You and I are no longer in it. How do you, what, do you feel, what are your thoughts looking back and seeing what's going on across the country? So first of all, I, I, I always want to go to a place that, you know, regardless of where anybody is or what anybody's thinking, we're all people. So I always go back to people. Police officers are people. Uh, people who are violating the law are people. We're people. And I think we really have to go back to that center of seeing other people as individuals. Um, I, th I think it's hard. Um, and I, I, my, my heart breaks for, for all sides. I don't think there's a win. One of my biggest concerns is that we're going to try to, from a very emotional state, sort of try to fix this. And actually, it's one of the things we teach in, um, in CIT is sometimes we don't have to fix. We can't fix what we don't know, right? We need to connect first. And we need to really come from a place of empathy to understand another person's perspective. That's really hard. It's not about me being right, you being right, and, and us battling back and forth. You know, my favorite Stephen Covey quote is, seek first to understand, then be understood. So I, I, I don't know that there's any right answer. When I retired, I know that I did the job maybe a little bit different than most um, in that I, I came from this perspective because I learned that the hard way very early on in my career. And one of the things I tried to do is think back, like, what did I do that made things work? I didn't know it was CIT because I wasn't trained in CIT, but organically that's what I was doing is really seeking first to connect with people rather than writing their story as tried to stay in a discovery of what their story is. So I, I think that uh, when I look at law enforcement, um, I, I think everyone needs to go back to sort of that people element and seek first to understand. And that goes into a little bit what the captain was talking about. Some people are kind of set and fit for this, and some people aren't. So you got to kind of find your niche. Uh, Louise, I want to ask you kind of the same question. What I mean, you weren't in law you weren't in law enforcement, right? You okay? Uh, just one check. I didn't. You never know. <laughs> so I want to know. <laughs> I want to know uh, uh, what your thoughts are as you look around the country and see what's going on. Uh, what are your thoughts about what's going on with law enforcement? Uh, your mic is muted there for some reason. <laughs> it was muted because my dog was dancing. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Um, I concur with Susan. I think cable started um, because I wanted to understand law enforcement. 
um, from a deeper level than what you just see on TV. Um, I wanted to understand why officers uh, use lethal force. What was their training like? What did they, and this all, this all happened as a result of a loved one um, who was shot by a police officer um, in a suicide by cop attempt. And it was one of those things where you can just get angry and say, you know, this, that, or the other, or you can say, well, let, let me try to understand. Um, because I want, I wanted them to understand my perspective. It didn't mean that I didn't want to understand theirs. And I learned so much uh, from that. Um, and I think that's the only way that we can resolve our differences is to try to understand each person's perspective, not assume that we know everything that there is to know, but, but that we have an open mind and want to learn as much as we can about the other circle, the other stakeholders and listen to what they have to say without writing their story for them. And until we can do that, um, it's gonna be rough going. But I think there are people in place who are willing to do just that, to listen, to learn, and then be willing to work together. Very good. Chief, I want to get your, your thoughts on uh these movements, defunding the police, abolishing the police. What are your, what are your thoughts about that? And can a situation or a program like cable uh, help in other states? What, what are your thoughts about that? Sure. I, I, well, I think cable, we've already, we are already helping in other states, including uh, my home state of Rhode Island. We're already there and giving CIT training in Rhode Island, which I, which I think is changing the game there as well. So that, that's been, you know, you know, just a, an outgrowth of what we've done here in Connecticut. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, abolishing and defunding the police, I, I, it struck me in, in, in recent times and conversations with people that my idea of policing and their idea of policing, we may be speaking two different languages uh, at, at the time. I met with a couple of young women of color in my community we had a tremendous conversation. Uh, it lasted for four and a half hours, um, and they, you know, they wanted me to hear uh, certain things. And you know, one of the things that they shared about the um, the history uh, of the black community and in and the history involving slavery uh, was that that the the original ba badge, if you will, that uh, the star badge was associated with people who went to retrieve or catch slaves that had escaped. And, and it, it, it struck me in that moment that I was, I said, wow, you know, that's not my policing. Um, and, and, uh, as, as much as, you know, it, and it hurt me to hear that idea, that concept, um, because, you know, my policing is the policing of service. My policing is the policing of, um, going back to Sir Robert Peel the people are the police and the police are the people. That's my idea of policing. And when, when I hear this, you know, abolish police or defund police, I can understand the, the whole idea of let's just scrap this whole system if, 
if we see these atrocities or these uh, anomalies that are happening uh, and, and, and they're magnified um, so greatly and as well they should be, uh, to be quite honest. S- some, some of the things that I've seen, um, you know, and, and I look at myself and again, I, I, don't, uh, I, I, I don't make a habit of um, second guessing other people's actions. But what, what I do make a habit of is evaluation, constant evaluation. And, and when I look at, um, you know, again, in my own team and in my own self, um, that's always ongoing. So, you know, when I hear about um, both either defund, you know, defund to me means shift, you know, shift your uh, some financial resources into another arena. I think we've got this part covered here as it relates to what we're doing with cable. Um, so don't defund, is defend, defend what we're doing here and actually um, enhance what we're doing uh, in, in that regard. Then as far as embolishment of, of policing, you know, again, how I think of policing and how I um, try to practice policing. Uh, I've got two generations of it behind me. Um, how I feel about um, wearing a badge and, car- and carrying a gun and defending a- and protecting a community and serving other people. Um, I, I, I don't know why anyone would, would say it if it's uh, or want that because of how I experience it. Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and I know that the people I've served with in law enforcement for the past 32 years, in most cases, the vast majority of cases, are very much like that. They, they are there to serve. Uh, they have a service orientation. Um, they are, they are, and and those, those are the people that I, that I experience. And I understand um, when people see um, these high-impact events on the other side and all, all the stuff that's actually happening um, that, that, that runs counter to that. I understand where that narrative comes from and where that, what's being said. But, but at the same time, you know, I feel like, you know, we're, we're here to serve everyone. And what, you know, one of the things that Susan was, was discussing there about, you know, how much it, 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 it uh, hurts me to be thought of as the other, no, as you, you're, it's it's us versus you. It's it's us versus them. I feel like it's us. It's just us, and we've got to figure it out. We've got to figure out what what is it that we can do better. How do we more effectively communicate with each other? How do we train our people um, so that they're not viewed as this occupying force or a threat? That, that that they're viewed as this as the public servants that that I personally know that we that we are and can be, um, and you know what what how, how do we have that conversation? You know we need to have that conversation. We and and I, I personally you know have started those conversations here in my community, and I feel I I feel uh, again so much more informed as we, as we talk about these things because I'm. Like like Susan said, you know, where where do we meet? Where do our circles overlap? You know, in the in that Venn diagram, and there's a lot of overlap. There is a lot of overlap. Every all of us basically want the same. We want safety. We want health and 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 prosperity for our families. We want to help others. We all want, and we want to be a community. We want we want to be in community as human beings. And I think that that's 
that's where we need to, that's what we need to talk about. We need to talk about how do we understand each other? How do we better understand each other? How does the story you've been told about me, how do, how do, how do I influence that? And how does the story I've been told about you, if there is one, if one exists, how do, how do I start to see that differently? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I think we really need to go here is like Susan said, this is a very human, this is a human issue and, and a, a wide array of human issues. And, and we need to approach it to, with humanity and humility. And we need to, uh, we, we just, we need to, and with empathy, like Susan said, with empathy, as Louise said, how, how do we actually get to that level where we're talking to each other and not shouting at each other. And I think CIT brings that home um, a hundredfold every time I, I get to participate in or witness the training. Very nice. You, you mentioned something about the Robert uh, Pillian uh, principles there. And, um, I, you know, I was fairly young, 22 at the time when I went through the police academy. And I can remember them talking about the history of policing and the, sh- the shires and shire reefs and all that kind of stuff over in England. And of course, we talked about Robert uh, or France, wherever that was. And then we talked about Robert Robert uh, Peel's principles and all that kind of stuff, the, the evolution of it. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it wasn't until I was 28, 29, 30 or so that I heard about the, the, the narrative of what you're talking about with uh, when you had the, the conversation for four hours uh, with the young ladies there that, um, you know, the history in this country uh, of police officers started with slave catching in the South and then... Um, and then in the North, it was, uh, you know, essentially protecting the property of the rich, essentially that, you know, that's the, the night watchman and, and whatever. And so I think that if we're going to change some things, we really have to change the narrative and really be honest with society as to how we got to this place. And, um, it's, it's very difficult to, to, to go forward if we don't take that look into the past and see where we came from and how we got here. So I think that that's very profound and that's going to have to come when people enter the police Academy, I think you gotta be honest and tell them, listen, this is the history. This is the history. And you had now have black officers. You now have Hispanic officers, Latin officers, lady, female officers. Uh, and so this country has had to go through different reiterations and evolutions in order to be the place that we are, where we're stronger and more diverse. So, Captain, I'd like for you to speak about that. Talk about your experiences being a black officer in 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 what you may have gone through. Uh, the, the chief had a conversation with four with four persons of color where his eyes were open. To essentially, um, have you had any type of experience like that, or what, what's what's your experiences? Um. So, so a lot, some of the things that I think that are important, communication, um, as Susan had brought up, is so essential. So I, I teach, uh, I have taught um, fair and impartial policing um, and diversity training. Um, so in that, we talk about bias, bias and uh, implicit uh, bias as, as well as explicit. Um, and I think you know, I have discussions with a co-trainer of mine who works uh, with me, and I'm kind of his uh, black thesaurus in a sense. I guess you look at it that way. He's a white male um, from suburbs in Massachusetts, and and not around a whole lot of uh, people of color 
growing up. So whenever he has a question, he'll run it through me. So I always feel the pressure making sure I get it right when I'm explaining to him what certain things mean. Um, and I think that conversation is so important. So in a, in, we started to have that conversation um, about in the department with, with a certain uh, set group. Uh, looks like he disconnected there. Looks like oh. he disconnected. Yeah. Uh, so if we can get it back, that'd be great. Um, so, Louise, what what is the future of of cable? Uh, is this going to become? Well, you know, tell us your your vision of the future. What you're doing, not only here in Connecticut, but can this go? I don't even know. Is it worldwide? Is some some uh, similar program worldwide, or or is it just United States thing? What 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 does the future look sure. like? The CIT program is worldwide. Um, there have been different versions of CIT um, done in Israel, in Sweden, in the UK, um, and, and here all over the country. Um, so it's something that is definitely um, well understood and well studied uh, throughout the nation and throughout the world. Um, it's not going away. And, I, and my, my vision right now is this is the time to, to get CIT out there to any departments that don't have it yet. This is the time to start doing it. This is the time to teaching, uh, you know, to teaching our communities to come together and learn about each other. I think um, and to listen to each other. And that's what CIT is all about. That whole communication phase is about listening. Um, and it's something that, um, you know, we want to see. We probably have taught um, officers in about 90% of our departments here in Connecticut, including federal agencies, the FBI, um, the Department of Justice, Etc. cetera, uh, but we, we really like to see more departments and more of their officers um, and to really build up our training so that we have an academy that will be going um, every day of the month uh, throughout the year um, because there is a need for it and it fits so well with the narrative that's going on right now in terms of those partnerships. Very good. Uh, we got the captain back. I wanted to give him a chance to finish his uh, his thoughts. There. I think your mic is muted. Yeah. Yeah, we got you now. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Well, I was talking about communication and then lost communication. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, being able to talk you know, and communicate is so important because we talk about seeing things through different lenses. Um, so, you know, uh, my partner sometimes will say, uh, when people say they're scared that they won't make it home, you know, when, when black males will say, or black mothers about their kids uh, or fathers will say, I don't, we, you know, I don't think we're going to make it home. Like, he'll say, that's crazy. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I say, well, no, it doesn't make sense to you because it's something that you haven't had to deal with or something you haven't had to have that conversation with your child or with your cousin or, or somebody else in your family about. Because he'll say to me, I've never thought that I've ever been pulled over based on being white, you know, being a white male. 
And I'll say, yeah, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to um, because that's your feel, you know, that's the lens that you're looking at things through and, and it wouldn't make sense to you. And it's probably, that's probably not the case. But for others, you got to understand we're looking at it the other way or whoever that individual be. And it doesn't have to just be black and white. It could be um, homosexual, it could be gender specific, it could be age bias, it could be anything. It's, it's that person's lens, it's that person's experiences. And those are the things that you're, that you have to understand uh, when you look outside yourself and thinking about the community that you're serving. And that's why one of the reasons I draw that, that I draw the conclusion or the, the nexus to, to cable and CIT because it's about listening. You know, it's about hearing what the problem is, which is in, inherently de-escalation in and of itself, right? What's the problem? What's the issue? What are you looking for? What needs to be addressed? There's a lot of histrionics about what's happening around what's going on, like uh, you're upset. So but by being upset, you punch a wall, you're yelling at the officer, you're doing a whole bunch of other things. But that officer needs to find out what it is you're upset about. What is upsetting you? How do I control that behavior, right? Because at the end of the day, I want to I calm you down and come to a resolution. By me fighting back, arguing back, and playing into the narrative, it doesn't help at all. And then it forces that use of force scenario that the chief was talking about that we don't want to be in. I don't want to review use of force all day. Um, the officers don't want to use force unnecessarily. Um, and the, the, the person doesn't want uh, force used on them. So in certain instances when alcohol is on board or drugs are on board or we can't break through because there's psychosis around us, or some reason we're just not communicating, then um, we've got to have those tools to understand that and, and take a step back and be able to communicate first, right? Settle down, talk, and not take it personal. A lot of, I think, police officers, justly so, um, especially right now, feel the pressure because everything is about the community uh, and the police, right? It's what the, the narrative is right now. Um, so it feels like the world is coming down specifically on the police officers, and that's, that's tough. That creates stress for the, for the officer, creates stress for the family of the officers, and they have kids. I have kids myself. I got to talk to my kids and explain to them what's happening today. You know, Dad, I thought officers, all officers were good. I thought, you know, you're trained to talk to the police officers. Why is there so much hate? Why is there this? Why is there that? So I tell my kids, we're people first. I think that was said earlier. We're people first. And there's some people who make good decisions, people who make bad decisions. Um, but there's people, I'm, I'm a person. If I take off this uniform, I'm a person, right? And I, and the extension of me as a person is what the job the job is that I do. Um, so in being in policing, I want to show my best attributes. So when we know we have conscious bias or unconscious bias for that matter, the most effective thing we can do is control those biases. And those are the things that create pressures in situations when we deal with the public. Um, sometimes you can, and under pressure, sometimes you can't. And you revert back to what you know, what you believe in the person that you are. Um, and we just we, we need to teach our officers to get back to the basics, to understand that people are, are not always lying to you. It's tough because we deal in the nature of, of people deceiving us, uh, trying to get away with things. So it's very difficult for us to trust. But in certain instances, we have to learn to trust. We have to understand that when a person tells you this is why they're upset or this is what they're, you know, what's causing controversy in their life right now, we need to see through all the extra stuff and hit the heart of that. 
what can I do to help you to get to the goal that you have? And if it's, hey, you're, you're, you, just, uh, you just broke up with your, your wife and now you're heading for divorce and it's causing stress on your kids, then what can we do to make it less stressful? Because putting you in handcuffs and yelling at you and, and having your kids see these things are not going to help that situation. So I need to take that into context and then come up with a plan. And I think CIT helps to develop that process. CIT helps you to formulate a plan, an idea. How am I going to solve this problem? How am I going to understand what's happening and take everything into account where otherwise you're not thinking about all the other things? So exposure to CIT makes you think about alcohol being on board, drugs being on board, schizophrenia, Alzheimer's, any of these things that we talk about in class, veterans affairs. Um, see, you know, I would stress just seeing things through other people's eyes and using empathy. So empathy, communication, just stalemates of what we talk about when we when we go over CIT training. Um, and I think it extends out to de-escalation. It's natural for um, avoiding these situations where we're using force where we can. There's always going to be situations where we can't we can't afford not well, you know it's just out of control and you're going to need the police to use force. Um, but what we like to do is is try and offset those experiences with people who are well trained, patient, and prepared. The healthy officer in the mind, body, and soul is going to be the officer who offers the most help to those individuals. So we have to come at it with a clear head. Very good. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank you all for coming on the podcast. I did want to ask Louise one question, then I'll give you guys like a minute or, or so to kind of sum up. Uh, do you know if there's any type of similar situations going on with CIT in schools uh, uh, where, where teachers are being taught to de-escalate or being taught to be empathetic and, and kind of control their classes? Is that? Do you know anything about that? Oh, well, there there is there is training going on in schools, uh, especially in those schools that have a school-based diversion initiative. Um, however, that is one place where Cable is working on um, in terms of training teachers, um, because we we often see that sometimes, uh, like just like a law enforcement officer can unknowingly escalate a situation. Same thing can happen in, in a classroom. You have a teacher who has 30 other children to, to watch. They've got a lot of things going on. Um, and they may unknowingly kind of escalate a situation with a child who may be um, at risk because of something that's happening at home. Um, and so, so how do teachers kind of like de-escalate? So what we're working on now, uh, we do have a program called Cable Ready. Um, which again helps teachers, helps anybody who works with kids, um, you know, how to recognize uh, when a child may be having some, some problems and issues, uh, be it trauma or mental health conditions or some sort of family crisis, and then how to de-escalate and then connect that child to help. Very good. Thank you, everyone, for coming on. Just to, if everybody wants to just take a minute to sum up, we'll start with the chief. Yeah. Well, first of all, Cap, thank you so much for ha for having us and for having this discussion today. It's it's a it's a critical discussion um, f based on everything that's going on today in, in our in our society um, and in our country. Um, it's, it's just been an honor to be here. I, I just want 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 to um, you know speak directly to people out there. I, you know that it, to just to let them know that you know when we when we select a, a police officer as a as a candidate. 
we're looking at a human being and we're looking for a certain level, a certain type of values that go along with that person. In, 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 my, uh, in my department, it's higher integrity and trained skill. So we need to get the right people uh, on the job um, and th things have changed. We need diversity in our ranks, most certainly. And that's, we're moving forward with that um, in, in both my department and in Connecticut. Uh, and, and on top of it, it's just, I, I mean, I'd like to see the confidence in us restored based on what comes from our hearts. And, and, and I feel it's up to us as law enforcement to write the story now based with our actions and show who we really are uh, in our communities. Thanks, Very Cap. Good. No, thank you. Thank you. Cap, you got, uh, how would you sum up? Yeah, I would say I definitely echo the diversity. Um, we need it. Uh, we look for it um, in all ranks, but, you know, even from the beginning, getting um, officers uh, of color, getting, you know, community members of color into the force, onto the force, giving their um, real life experiences, their understanding. Um, it's necessary. It's needed, especially in the communities where there's diverse communities. You know, it's absolutely, it has to be there. We have to have it um, moving forward. Um, and, and again, you know, I think Chief is right. We need to, you know, it's, it's our responsibility. When I, when I give the training, I always say, whose responsibility is it? Do you guys honestly feel like you have to make sure that you dictate um, that everyone's getting the proper service that they get every day because we get complaints all the time whether we feel they're warranted or unwarranted. But who's, whose responsibility is it? And sometimes I think to myself, they're going to tell me, well, they got to do this and they need to learn this. But you'd be, you'd be uh, astonished that, you know, if I'm in a room with 50 people, 47 out loud, you know, absolutely, it's all on us. It's us. We've got to make the difference. It's our job to do it. And that's why I believe they took the job so it's refreshing to hear it from the officers when it, when when we're around nothing but officers. So it's not being, you know, there's no podcast, there's no TV, there's no anyone else outside our professional watching. These are officers that know and recognize that we serve the community and we need to serve the community and have them trust us. It gets the job done. It allows us to, to uh, quell crime. It allows us to investigate crimes, to prevent crimes. Um, we need everybody to be uh, informants for us and, and trust us. And in turn, we respond back to them. And they need to have truth and we need to have legitimacy. They need to be able to trust us and we need to be able to be trusted. Our job means nothing and we won't be able to get an, uh, uh, our job done effectively if the people that we serve don't believe in us and they don't trust us. And we definitely need to, to win them back in a sense. You know, I don't think, you know, some we lost. Um, and some we've probably gained over time. We need to gain everybody. We need everybody to understand that we're out there serving them and that we will continue to throughout this whole process. And do we need to change some things? Absolutely. Um, but I think in knowing that, uh, all the officers that I've talked to are ready for some form of reform, whatever that means, as, as small as changing their demographics on a form or ad adhering to... Uh, the protocols of use of force and pursuits and things of that nature that are already being addressed by the state police, as well as many other separate agencies, we're all in. We're all game. Officers want 
people to be able to trust them so they can do their job and they can go home safe and they can keep people safe. Very good. Susan, take a minute to sum up, please. So, of course, thank you so much for this opportunity. I think we need many more of these. Um, I think if I had to sum it up, I would sum it up that going back to we're human beings and we are all wired. Our biologic bi biology is wired for survival. That's how our brains work. And when we apply like a trauma-informed lens to everything we do, we have to shift the question. How many times do you hear, so what's wrong with these people? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with you? And I think that we really need to shift the question to not what's wrong with you, but what happened to you? Mm. What is the history? What is the experience that, that brings people to where they are? And I think that that's really important with where we start because we all bring our unique story. And if we unpack that and really learn to get to know one another, um, we don't write the ending to their story. We learn what their story is. So that's all I have. But no, I, I like you. that, actually. I like that. Uh, and Louise, uh, can you just sum up and also tell us, uh, tell any officer how they can get in contact with you or with the program? Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting us uh, to this podcast. Um, you know, we do appreciate your kind of helping us talk a, a, about CIT. As you as you can see, uh, the, there's a lot of passion um, about CIT among you know not only our our two board chairs and Susan, but everybody that's involved in cable. We believe in what we're doing. Um, and it's and it's all about bringing people together. Um, so thank you for that opportunity. Um, as far as contact, um, we have a website called W, uh, it's the Connecticut Alliance to Benefit Law Enforcement. We can be reached, the URL is www.cableweb.org. Um, my email address is L as in Larry, C as in Charlie, P as in Peter, at cableweb.org. Um, so anybody can contact me. Um, the Actually, the website does have upcoming some of the upcoming trainings uh, that are available. Um, you must be either in law enforcement or uh, a, see a, a clinician who works uh through the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services uh, in order to be admitted. We also take in um, correctional officers, um, EMS personnel, and firefighters, basically all public safety personnel. Very good. Thank you all. I'm sorry, I muted you here. I'm sorry, what were you gonna say, <laughs> Susan? And don't forget the uh, telecommunication specialists or our dispatchers. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. yes, absolutely. Dispatchers as well. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for joining me on Captain Hunter's podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, joining in uh, with, uh, with those classes whenever you guys have them. Just keep me informed. I'll definitely be there. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. 
uh, and we'll talk to you again. I'm, I definitely want to have the chief and the captain back. We'll have a longer conversation about what's going on, police reform and all this kind of stuff. Susan, too, right? You, you can speak to some law enforcement stuff. I'll have all you guys back and we can really dig into what, what the heck the problem is and how we can fix this thing, you know? So <laughs> I love it. I'm in. I'm in. Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys take care of yourselves. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Captain.